Welcome to Game Critics Radio. I'm Richard Nyack, and with me tonight is Mike Susky. How are you, Mike? I'm all right, Richard. Uh, you know, we, I kind of threatened to do this, didn't I? Back when we did the uh, Game of the Year podcast, I said Darksiders 3 would be for a uh, good podcast, and here we are. It was. I didn't take it as a threat. I took it as as more of a challenge. Like it was a, a challenge to do something we didn't have time in that moment to do. But uh, nevertheless, here here we are. Uh, good to have you back. Oh well, thank you. Yep, I'm going to be nice to you, so it's harder to be mean to me. Mm, oh, that's tricky. Yeah. So uh, tonight we're going to be talking about uh, Darksiders three. Uh, we're also going to talk a little bit about Vampire and then uh, maybe a couple other things. So uh, just start off. How you, how you been, Mike? I haven't talked to you in about, oh, say, two or three weeks. I've been okay. I've actually had a, a kind of a lingering question for you, Richard. Uh, uh-huh. So so we, we mentioned on that Game of the Year podcast that you only played like, uh, what was it, like 11 or 12 games that, that uh, year? 12. 12. So what were the two that didn't make it? I want to know. Um, Oh God! I think I have to go. I will actually have to go open up my email and Sorry to make you do work. Look at my li- oh God! It's so much work. You get to hear my super loud keyboard and see what my games actually. If I were, were. a better podcaster, I would uh, fill while you were doing this, but you know. Yes. Yes, you would. Oh, where is it? Sorry, I, I, I really thought you would know on the spot. I didn't know this would actually. It would no, work I out would like not this. know on the spot, but it's 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 fine. It's a right. de- decent topic. So, what did not make? Oh, um, so the reason that two dropped off were that I just flat out didn't like them and they were Octopath Traveler and the Shadow of the Colossus remake. Oh, okay. I played both of those. I, I quite liked Octopath Traveler, but I did give up on it eventually. Yeah, I I played through three of the uh, initial starting stories and just was very, very turned off by it. It just has everything that I dislike about JRPGs, and I'm not a huge fan of JRPGs today to begin with, so it just just wasn't for me. And then the Shadow of the Colossus remake, it's interesting because um, when we were originally planning to do a show in the old format with like all the different award categories, I actually had uh, Shadow of the Colossus down for the Why Does This Exist award. Hmm. Because we have, you know, we've got the original game and then we had the HD remaster, which is available, I, I think, on... Uh, all modern PlayStation platforms. And then we got this, which is a brick by brick remake. Um, If the HD remaster didn't exist, it would make more sense, but I don't really know why we need the same, the, the same game rebuilt from scratch. You know, I I, I kind of agree with you on that. And I was actually just thinking about this recently because now I know you're not a Resident Evil fan, right? Uh, No. Okay, because uh, the uh, the Resident Evil 2 demo is making rounds right now, and I played that, and I was comparing this in my mind to the uh, remake of the original Resident Evil, um, which is famously regarded as like one of the best remakes of all time, because that, I think, had like something like 70% new content, 
Um, and and what makes that yeah you know, what makes that such a good remake is that uh, it it looks a lot better and it really does a great job of recapturing the spirit of that setting um, to the point that it is it is instantly recognizable to anybody who played that game. But it's also got enough new content and enough things rearranged that even if you've played the original a million times, you could play the the remake and still get something out of it. And it's so it feels like the definitive version, but also like its own thing. It feels like Resident Evil 2 is going to be uh, something like that. And I was thinking that's kind of what a good remake is. Whereas I also played the Shadow of the Classes remake. And maybe I just go into this from a different angle because I'm one of the few people who wasn't crazy about Shadow of the Classes. Like that, that I love it conceptually, but there are so many things about that game that I want to see addressed before I would actually like enjoy it on the level that everybody else is. Um, and I don't know if it's just because that game is so highly praised and, and people are, people would be afraid to do that or anything, but um, yeah, you know, to just have, to just have this visual makeover with nothing, you know, none of the, like what I consider control issues uh, fixed. Yeah. It, it felt a little pointless, although it was a very pretty game. I will say that. I see to me, it didn't even look that much better. I mean, the textures and the models were, higher fidelity but that was it i mean the art style was the same all the colossi were the same they all looked the same it was just like i i expect it's kind of like you said i expected more to be to be different and i you i mean i understand why the original game is a classic and i like that game quite a bit but i mean there are some things that are pretty janky about it um specifically the controls like you said but then for a remake, I'd expect those to be, if not completely overhauled, then at least tweaked a little bit to where uh, they're more responsive, like it doesn't drop inputs as often, but then no, all the same issues are still present. So then I wind up, I, I'm just playing this, I'm just like, why did, why did this happen? Yeah, I um, I mean, I think that actually, if we had done the traditional awards categories, that might have actually, uh, that game might have been my uh, nominee for nail in the coffin because I've, I've now given that game several attempts and I've just, and, and this was kind of their opportunity to actually like finally get me to enjoy shadow of the classes as much as everybody else does. Um, but yeah, it, it's weird because that original game, I mean, it was, it was a technical Marvel in the sense that they basically had to create this entire new physics system where your character would interact with, you know, essentially, you know, that the class are basically like these moving bits of terrain. And that's why it was, it was so janky and uh, but that's, that's not the case these days. You know, you could, you could make a really, I think a really smooth version of that game that still captures uh, the majesty that made it, uh, you know, so cool to so many people, but you know, whatever. Yeah. And another thing is, I mean, you said it was a technical Marvel. It was also a Marvel because of, it was a huge continuous open world with no loading zones of any kind. Uh, I mean, obviously there are, you know, load triggers here and there, but uh, you players never saw it. There was no like freezes or loading screens or anything like that, which I believe if I'm not mistaken, was a first, like that was a genuine groundbreaking thing that was in, that was in that game. And I mean, the reason they got away with that is because there's literally nothing in that giant world except the bosses. And I think only one of them is actually loaded at any given time. Like you can't actually do them out of order. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was a technical Marvel at its time. I, 
personally believe it's still worth going back and playing, especially for someone who uh, is interested in the history of video games. But the remake was just, it just wasn't worth your time, I don't think. You know the the absolute worst remake, and I don't know if you'll agree with me on this. Uh, are you a Halo fan? Yeah, yeah, I enjoyed Halo. I played um, a lot of uh, two and three back in college. Uh, I never played any of the others much. Okay, because the um, they did a remake of the original Halo. It was called um, I think Halo Anniversary, and one of the things that they kind of flaunted, and this is like the worst case example of what I was talking about, where they don't take any opportunity to address anything or or bring it up to date in any way uh one of the things they flaunted was 100 percent faithful gameplay and what the, the reason that this was especially a problem with the halo remake was um when they brought it up to date when they redid all the graphics and everything they had to remodel everything um but they kept the same hit boxes so like a lot of times if you were like leaning around a corner and that corner was more rounded in this version of the game than in the previous version of the game. You could try to shoot somebody and it would just hit a big invisible wall and just, just crap like that. That's, yeah. I, that I think is the worst case example where it's, it's, you know, just uh, bringing the visuals up to date and not even bothering with uh, actually, uh, you know, everything else. Now, was that the, that master chief collection that came out a few years ago, or is that like on its own? Uh, it was on the it was on the Master Chief Collection, but it originally came out on uh, 360. Mm. Uh, it was ten, I think it was ten years after uh, the original Halo came out. Hence the anniversary. Ah. Although I guess every year is technically a Halo anniversary. But it would be weird if it was like the the eleventh anniversary. That wouldn't make as much sense. The the seventeenth anniversary is when the next one should come out. Well, that was already. Uh, that was that was that was last year. They already missed their chance. Oh, on oh God, God, I'm old. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're gonna. Halo is 18 years old. That's how old you are. Yeah, that's that. Yeah, that's that's a thing. Um, so and uh, real quick before we uh, move on from remakes, the one thing that I would do if I was obscenely wealthy, if I had the opportunity to do anything I wanted with this money, um, after you know taking care of friends and family and you know funding various charitable and political causes, I would personally finance a remake of Metal Gear Solid 3 in Metal Gear Solid 5's engine. Mm. So basically, you want to do what they did for that one uh, Metal Gear Solid Plinko machine? I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, they, they, um, Konami, uh, they did a, you know, cause they're, they're doing a lot of like, uh, they're in like gambling now and stuff. Yeah. They do uh, the pachinko machines and, and all that. Did I say plinko? I don't know. I don't even know what, to, okay. Yeah, okay. Plinko okay. is the price is right thing. I'm sorry. The pachinko machine. That's what I, <laughs> that's what I meant. Um, the pachinko machine, they made a Metal Gear Solid pachinko machine and they actually redid, um, I, I think some of the cutscenes from Metal Gear Solid three in the, uh, in a newer engine. I don't know if it's the Fox engine specifically, but um, it really pissed people off because it's just, it's just kind of rubbing salt in the wound at this point. Yeah. Yeah. God, that was such a weird way that that went down. Wasn't it? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I, would, I mean, would, it, would, would you make Metal Gear Solid three, like an open world game? Like a yes, full on open I would. world game. And so there's a, there's an interesting uh, interview with Hideo Kojima and it was, Years and years and years ago, I have never been able to actually find it. But in it, he talks about – this is right after Metal Gear Solid 3 came out. And 
he talks about some of the things that he actually wanted to do and couldn't because of the limits of technology at the time. Uh, what he wanted was a game in which uh, you're sneaking around a base and you set off an alert. So you run away from that base and then uh, miles and miles away a lot down the map, the enemies you run into are still on alert because the guys miles away found a body that you that you hid. Mm-hmm. And he talked about wanting to do that. He couldn't do it in in Metal Gear Solid Three because you know he had to use loading zones uh, and stuff at the time on the PS2. Whereas in Metal Gear Solid Five, that exact scenario happens all the time. Like it happens almost every single time you set off an alert. Yeah, that is that is the catch of Metal Gear Solid Five is that it is this persistent world where um, enemies stay alert even when you're miles away and stuff. Right. Um, now, did you play uh, Metal Gear Survive? I take it you didn't. No, I did not. Okay, it's depressing. It's basically let's let, let's take the best self mechanics ever created for a video game and put them in a game where you never once have to use stealth. Oh, did that game use the Fox Engine? Yeah. In fact, it. it I think it was. Um, I think it actually reused like the maps, like 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 slightly tweaked versions of maps from Metal Gear Solid Five. But yeah, that was the oh, Fox that's... engine. That, that was it. Was the same controls and everything. Oh, that's uh, hilarious. Uh, no, I mean I think it's, it's hilarious. Sad. It's sad and depressing because they have the best stealth mechanics in the history of games, and they use them on a zombie game. Yeah. Well, I mean, I I contest best stealth mechanics in the history of games, but I mean it is fantastic stealth mechanics. I will say that. Mm-hmm. Um, so Dark Siders three. The reason we actually wanted to do this podcast. Um, before we really get started on that, I have to point out that Darksiders is really one of the least descriptive titles there is, isn't it? I, I don't know what it means. Yeah. So I was, are there are there Darksiders? It, like, is, is there such a thing as a Darksider canonically in this series? I, I don't think so. I've never heard that name mentioned unless it's mentioned like in one of the in like the first game and i just don't remember it but i don't think it's ever been actually mentioned in game um but i was having a conversation with my my wife about this a few hours ago and you know she asked what the podcast was about and i said darksiders and she thought it was a beverage of some sort darksiders yeah darksiders she thought we were talking about like some kind of coffee yeah some kind of fancy like apple cider drink of some sort oh <laughs> yeah. oh, oh dark oh i get it dark cider okay yeah 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 with a c instead of an s i see okay um so mike on the game of the year show you mentioned that you have had uh quote-unquote opinions about this game and i've got a review up on the site for dark siders 3 and while i do have quite a bit more to say about it i do want to hear those opinions so just Lay it out there. What are your thoughts on Darksiders Three? Uh, I don't like it. I um, this is actually the first uh, Darksiders game that I've completed, which I guess is to its credit. Um, I have you, like. What's your experience with the others? Like, did you did you? I, I know you said uh, Darksiders Two is like the reason that you hate video games. Um, so I the only thing I remember about Darksiders One is it the well one the and the, the main protagonist looks terrible like he looks just absolutely awful and they lift uh just pixel for pixel that 
boomerang crystal puzzle out of out of ocarina of time that's the only two things i remember about darksiders one and then two um i i i really disliked two but i'm gonna talk about that in in just a little bit okay see um first of all i agree with you um on war from darksiders one being i i think i said this to you on twitter at some point but it's like the most negatively uh, a main character's design has uh, affected my opinion of a game. Like honest to God, one of the reasons I never stuck with that game was because I hated looking at that character. He shows up a couple times in this game and Darksiders three is worse because of it. Like it's just, so something I'm going to mention here is that um, I, I think I, I don't envy what the developers of Darksiders three are stuck with. I, th- I think this is kind of a dumb franchise to begin with. Um, they do some different things with it, and uh, you know we'll talk about the success of those experiments. But there are certain aspects of it. I mean, like the character designs. Like, honest to God, like this feels to me like the fantasy equivalent of like the Bayformers, the Michael Bay Transformers. Like, just just over designed. Like, absolutely no regard for function. Just just a mess. And I guess it's gotten a little bit better since War, but it's still really bad. Um, and, you know, I, I used to attribute uh, color to appealing visual design. Like, it, it was kind of my, one of my pet peeves that, like, oh, everything looks gray and brown. And But this game is extremely colorful, and it still just looks messy and uh, indistinct. And um, so, something else that kind of occurred to me uh, regarding the visual design is, um, you know how when, uh, back when Super Mario Odyssey was announced, they had a, a preview of that New Donk City level where there were a bunch of, like, regularly proportioned humans walking around next to Mario and, and everybody uh-huh. thought it looked really awkward, but it was done in like a really tongue in cheek way. Like it was obviously supposed to look silly. This game does that, but on a serious level, like that you have regularly proportioned humans, but then you have weirdly cartoonish, super deformed characters as well. Right. And it's, it, and it's, it, it, it's, 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 Right. It's the Overwatch problem, right? Like the world looks super, super cartoony, but they want you to take it 100% seriously. And it just, it really works against itself. Yeah. Um, now, speaking on uh, this game, wanting you to take its world seriously, uh, do, do you want to take a crack at summarizing the lore of this series? Or, because uh, I, I, this is, I, I'm going to have to admit a couple of biases up front. Like, as I said, there are a couple things about this series that I just went in either not liking or not knowing anything about. I was kind of lost uh, in regards to the story for most of this game, so I don't have a general sense of. I mean, I like, like, I mean, I, I know. Okay, you're a character named Fury who has to track down the seven deadly sins. Every time they made a reference to the larger conflict, I, I just had just went right over my head. I had no idea what was going on. Yeah, it, it, the world is not interesting. Um, that's that's one hundred percent true, and it really never has been. Um, it's there. So there's the four horsemen of the apocalypse, and they were summoned by accident. And uh, war was war was the first one to show up, and then he does a thing, uh, and then death comes looking for war, and then he does a thing, and then winds up sacrificing himself in some form. Uh, now Fury shows up, and Fury doesn't really care about the other two. She's mostly just uh, in this for herself, because you know her 
bosses, the three mountain heads are telling her to do this and that, and she just kind of likes fighting people, which I mean, honestly is the most clear cut motivation of the three of them. So I'm kind of okay with that in this context. Now, uh, Richard, what is, what is Strife doing during all of this? Uh, he is playing Vanquish. Oh, okay. Well, I was, that's, um, see, the summary that they say at the beginning of the game is um, war is in chains. Death has gone missing. Strife attends to other matters, which I took as uh, uh, translation for we haven't decided on what the fourth game's plot's going to be yet. Oh, yeah, totally. They haven't. They, they've they absolutely not decided on what the fourth game's plot is going to be. But uh, I saw um, just th- reading through some conversations on Twitter about uh, what his because he's obviously going to be the protagonist of the fourth game, or at least playable in the fourth game, most likely. And his uh, about what his play style was going to be like. And Vanquish was the most frequently mentioned uh, thing with the you know all the high mobility gunplay that 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 game has. Yeah, he's a, he's a gunslinger, isn't he? Yeah, which doesn't make any sense at all in the context of like ancient fantasy magic. Like why well, does but, he... but it's it's like sitting the you know like it's sitting modern days I don't know like it's it's but again it's, set, it's weird but it's like these are like ancient things and like why does he like why do so he has guns why does why does he have to reload his guns like why do his guns have bullets are they just magic uh, I don't know and I've got another question for you um, they describe Fury as the most unpredictable of the horsemen don't you think Strife would be the most unpredictable because his name is Strife. Um, uh, I don't know about that. I mean, Fury is definitely the most violent, which I guess can she she can be the most predictable, unpredictable in that sense. Well, I was thinking that that makes her that makes her extremely predictable. I mean, I was you know it was funny because um and and this is another one of the things where I I recognize that the people who made this game just inherited certain things. They they were stuck with a character whose name is Fury, and I was thinking to myself like. All throughout this game, I was thinking, this character is kind of just one-dimensionally angry at everything, but like, what else would I expect from a character named Fury? Right. And it's, so it's, uh, I also want to point out that these a lot of these people are the developers that made the first two games, because the studio, uh, Gunfire, is uh, made up of a lot of the remnants of the, oh, I forget the name of the original studio, but it was the one that was under... THQ that went out of business when uh, THQ exploded. Uh, but a lot of them got together. It's really surprising to me that this game was even made because it wasn't crazy popular. And then like they specifically formed this company, I think, to make this game. So, I mean, this game was a labor of love in in some fashion. Yeah, I guess I, I was kind of wondering about that. Like, is it like, does the Darksiders series have fans? Like, Oh yeah, uh, it's got it's got quite a few fans. Yeah, it's it's just like that is so bizarre to me because like the entire I mean, and we're going to talk about um, what this game specifically pulls from other famous games, um, but the uh, the first two, uh, specifically the first one, like really clearly pulled from Zelda and right. like, like famously so. And then I think there was that one sequence that famously pulled from Portal, um, uh-huh. but it, it just seems to me like. Um, the whole thesis of this series so far has been let's take things that you like and make them uglier. Yeah. Well, it's not even necessarily making them uglier. Um, so I'm going to, and I'm I mean, going to start. I'm talking about character designs here. 
Oh yeah, absolutely. Most of the characters in this game look look awful. But uh, yeah, so before we go any further, I wanna I wanna preface my opinion of Darksiders three with a bit about the previous two games, specifically Darksiders two. Um, I mentioned on the Game of the Year show that I hated this game and it turned me off of games at large. Um, it is a game full of superfluous things, loot systems that don't really do anything, puzzles and dungeons that go on way too long, uh, a world that is painfully uninteresting, um, a colossus with no majesty whatsoever. Uh, th- this game annoyed me to such a degree that playing it was arduous beyond belief. Um, I didn't go in depth uh, on this on the show because it was a Game of the Year show and there wasn't time, but Darksiders 2 broke my love of video games and you know trying to experience as many of them as I could. Uh, so I started playing less, I started writing a lot less, right down to the point where for about a year and a half, I stopped playing games outside of comfort games like Dark Souls or, or Overwatch or things like that. So fast forward to 2018 somehow there is a Darksiders 3. Like I said, I certainly didn't expect it after THQ went under, but it happened, so I had to try it. I had to see how they follow up the game that broke games. I I had extremely low expectations for this, and that's probably why it helped my opinion of it, because lo and behold, out of the cleansing fire comes something Decent, not fantastic, not amazing, but decent. Um, specifically, we were talking about character designs. Fury looks great, I think. Um, I'm not a fan of the boob plate armor, but the the whip and the hair all look great. Uh, all of her animations are fantastic. Uh, the different weapons are all really well designed. Uh, she is fun to play. I enjoy the act of just running and whipping around with her. And that's really what sells it. That's really what makes this game tick for me. Uh, Enemy and boss design is okay. It's passable. Um, The Dark Souls level design works. It doesn't blow me away. Like, there's no Irithyll. There's no Sunken City. But it's it's fine. Uh, The world is still just as uninteresting as it was before. But, I mean, fortunately, this game is a lot shorter than the other two. So you don't have... To, you don't have to spend as much time wallowing in it. Um, like Darksiders 1 and 2, I think, are like 30 to 50 hours apiece, which is insane. Whereas this is um, one playthrough takes about 15. I think if you want to you know, try and do everything, it can go up to about 30, which I think is about the right length for something like this. That's another thing that annoyed me about the first two is they just went on forever. But 3 just, I mean, it just works. Like it's it it's it's somewhat comforting to actually come away from a game and not like absolutely hate it or absolutely love it and just think oh yeah that was that was fine. I mean, I I, <laughs> I, I I would say that I fall into the category of people who don't love it or hate it. I, I just well, see the thing is like I, you know I think um, <clears throat> it is passable. Like it's it's I don't think there's one specific thing that uh, like it does horribly or anything, but it's just, uh, I, th- th- there's nothing about it that excites me either. Like it's, um, so, you know, um, obviously we need to bring up the fact that, uh, they've gone from, uh, pulling from Zelda to pulling from dark souls. And I'm actually going to defend this game a little bit because I think, um, 
Because I, I, as somebody who's played like all of the Souls likes that have ever come out over the last few years, um, I think the comparisons that this game gets are a bit overstated. Like it, it has some obvious structural similarities. It does, you know, it, it borrows certain mechanics like having to go back uh, to the spot of your death to get experience, that sort of thing. But it also uses on on multiple occasions the soul's trick of uh, an archer or some kind of ranged enemy firing down a hallway and then there's a dude like just around the corner when you enter the hallway. Uh, what? You know, it's so in a Souls game, you know, when you're, you know, you walk up to a hallway and you see an archer at the end of the hallway and then you try to walk in, but then there's a dude right around the corner that just kicks you into a pit or something. Oh yeah. Like, like, like there's, um, there's a lot of, uh, uh, obvious cues, cues in regards to like enemy placement and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think in general, like the, the overall structure of the game, uh, the design of it, um, has a, a strong resemblance to Souls. But on the other hand, like the cam, uh, the combat's not stamina based. Which I think is like one of the one of the key factors, one of the big things that makes Souls what it is, um, and I, I don't say that as a good or a bad thing. It's just it's just what it is. Like it's 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 a more. I, I mean, I think the combat of this series has always kind of channeled um, those original God of War games, and this I, I think this game almost does it more than the first two because uh, maybe it's just because of the style of weapon that you're. I mean, like you said, you have a whip that's really similar to the chains that you're just kind of um, and you're just sort of sloshing through big groups of enemies, but um, it's way more fast paced. And the game also has a much bigger emphasis on like platforming. Like it, it, it there are aspects of it that really remind me of more of like a, a Metroid game. Like, it, like a couple of the upgrades that you get uh, for exploration are very specifically taken from Metroid prime. You get the, the spider ball and the, what was the other one? The screw attack. Yeah. Yeah. And that was, that was one of the things that I, um, wasn't crazy about was I thought, I thought the platforming in this game was really awkward. Like the basic jump mechanic feels like it, it feels to me like fury is hitting like an invisible ceiling. Every time she tries to jump where she goes straight up and straight down and there's no, I don't know. I guess there's no middle period where she just kind of like uh, hang in there for a second. And then this game has like one of the most unresponsive swinging mechanics I've ever like seen in a video game. Like I think it does a kind of a poor job of broadcasting exactly what you're able to interact with in regards to your swinging mechanic. But then a lot of times I'll get the cue and I'll hit the button and then fury will just attack and that'll bring her jump to a standstill and then she just fall down and it's just, right that 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 is pretty awkward and there were a couple of times where i just you know fell right into a pit because of the the prompt like it's the prompt chooses to show really early in the jump like way earlier than you know you kind of think it should um so yeah i mean that 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 is an issue Mm -hmm. um god no good go ahead no i i I did i was gonna make up some bullshit (laughs) Okay. Uh, we don't have a specific show plan for this. We're kind of just talking. Yeah, we're we're just we're just kind of winging it. Um so I yeah, I mean nothing you're saying is is wrong. Um I don't specifically disagree. I mean, I will disagree a little bit on the character design in this game compared to the previous two because I think things do look a little genuinely look um a little bit better in this game. Like I like I said, I think Fury looks really good. Um I think Pride 
looks looks very good. I really like her design. Um, uh, the final boss in this game, I think, is is interestingly designed. Um, it's it's Why opinions on that final twist, by the way. Dear oh, God, the, t- the, the, tw- <laughs> the twist itself is extremely dumb. Like it's, the twist it's, itself is not good. But oh God, I, I'm wondering if we can do a spoiler section where we can talk about that because that's like I, I, I went back. I had to watch an earlier cutscene to see like did they did they set that up properly or did they completely cheat and only make that twist work through misinformation? And they only made it work through misinformation. So we can to- yeah we can totally go for spoilers. So it's uh, the guardian that you're or the watcher that you are traveling with winds up being envy the uh seventh sin who winds up being the final boss of this game which i was a little confused by like so the envy you fight at the beginning of the game is that the fake envy is that just like an imposter what what was that i don't know this was the thing is that yeah like like i think that in and of itself is like not a terrible twist um because you know i, I mean like um this watcher that you're with, she kind of exhibits jealousy towards your behavior. So it's it's kind of a cool twist on paper. But the thing is, and the thing that, I, that drives me nuts about that twist, is that the first boss that you fight in the game is a completely different character named Envy, who exhibits envious behavior and who Fury recognizes as Envy. Like, she just says, Envy. And... I was thinking, like, was it maybe the Watcher character in disguise? But no, your Watcher is already with you at that point. So what? It's like, did Envy? So after you beat Envy, like, does she take over the Watcher's body? Is that how that works? Or I no, because she gets uh, she gets sucked into the the thing because she gets um, uh, Fury gets that uh, device oh, that can the like, capture the souls of the, yeah. the seven deadly sins or whatever, and she goes in there. And uh, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know what's going on there, man. <laughs> yeah, that was that was a, it was just a weird, weird twist. I I agree, but uh, uh, anything else to say about Darksiders Three? Well, um, this is actually, and this this is really just total coincidence, but I like, I, I kind of enjoy harping on the game for this. Um, this is actually the second Souls like I've played this year, where you. Uh, have to track down personifications of the seven deadly sins. And admittedly, nobody played the first one. It was called uh, Sinner Sacrifice for Redemption. Um, but uh, I assume you haven't played that, right? I have not. I did reach a review of it, and I thought it looked interesting, but I didn't get around to it. Yeah, it's, and by the way, that, that that's a total coincidence that it just happens to be another kind of similar game that um, uh, has the same general premise. But it, it's it's... I had issues with it, but it is kind of interesting. Um, you mentioned uh, in the Game of the Year episode that you uh, were, were kind of – you hadn't played a ton of like uh, Souls-likes that you thought were particularly good. And I think this one's at least kind of – it's got a cool premise behind it, which is that uh, you have these seven bosses that you have to fight, which are all based off of the seven deadly sins. And you can fight them in any order that you want, and it's, it's just a boss rush – style game like there's nothing else to do uh-huh. except fight these bosses and then um for each boss that you fight you have to take on a sort of status ailment like you'll get like half of your healing items or you'll uh run out of breath when you run out of stamina that sort of thing and those status ailments stick with you for the remainder of the game so part of the strategy is um the order that you take down these bosses in that uh 
you, you, you know, you, you'll have to you'll have to deal with that status affliction for longer. Like it's kind of a, it, it, it's a neat idea. It's, it's actually like sort of um, the opposite of what these games usually do, which is you know you level up, you become stronger. In this game, you sort of de level, you become weaker. And I think it's it's an interesting premise. So what's the I mean, what's the payoff there? It's like so you beat these seven bosses. Do you get your powers back, or does the game just end? Uh, and then you get a final boss uh, where you have all of the abilities missing no matter what oh okay basically and that and that's actually that's the most frustrating part of the game because like the, the, it's the one boss where you can't control uh how powerful you are like everybody's basically going to be going into that from the same angle and it's a really frustrating fight um but anyway that the only reason i bring it up is because that's like <laughs> it's just another it's just another handicap that this game has where um you know, even the premise I'd already seen uh, so far this year. Um, another thing that I, I kind of had an issue with in this game was um, I mentioned that you get um, you, you get these upgrades that increase your mobility or give you give you new ways to navigate the world. There is um, you, you can turn yourself into a big magnet ball that is basically the spider ball from Metroid Prime because you you can only use it along certain tracks. You get a wall jump ability that you can only use uh, on certain walls that are facing each other. And then you get like a double jump and a hover and that sort of thing. Um, the thing that kind of bugged me about this was so like when you and I, I, I realize that you compare almost anything to Metroid Prime and you're not going to make it look better because Metroid Prime is a masterful experience. I think it's literally your favorite game, isn't it? Yeah, it was my number one on my top ten. Yeah. So so, but. Uh, you know, take this with a grain of salt, but like when you actually get the master ball or the master ball, the spider ball ability in uh, Metroid prime, you, you, like you get like sort of miniature levels based around it. Like you actually like, like it makes, it makes really cool use of that ability uh, beyond just making it a way to get from one place to another place. If that makes sense. And in this game, um, Whenever I got those new abilities, it was it was like I was just getting a key to unlock a couple doors. Um, right. Where like that that magnet ball ability, it's never it's never really used in a way um, other than to just gate off certain sections of the game. Like there would be, there would be these these purple tracks that you use uh, to get from one place to another, and you you see a couple of them in the game, and then once you get the once you get that. Uh, spider ball ability. I forget what it's actually called, but once you get that magnet ball ability, you can use them, but that's it. And it's just, it's just kind of very unexciting for a game, for a game that has such an emphasis on platforming and three dimensionality. And that's sort of that. I, I think they had that general idea, like that sort of general Metroidvania feel that they were going for, where you get a new ability and then you want to go back to previous places um, and, and see all the, all the areas that you couldn't get to yet. And, you know, between that and just the fact that the game is like super linear and I think there's only like one or two points in the game where you have to actually go back to an earlier area and, uh, you know, with a new ability and, you know, find the rest of the crit path that way. It was just, a, it was all very underwhelming. Yeah, see, I didn't get a Metroidvania vibe at all from this game. I mean, I understand what you're saying about the the weapons being glorified keys in in a lot of ways which is which is true but um you know kind of jumping off of what you said is that there's very very few instances where you actually have to circle back or uh go 
you know, go far back to access a access like a gateway or something that's been previously unaccessible or or anything like that. It's very very point to point to point, and that's it. So that didn't give me a Metroid feeling at all. Um, I will say that the uh, I think that I mean I think most of the weapons are pretty well designed, but I actually think there's a few too many abilities, um, especially for as constrained as some of these levels are. Um, so in the review, I actually mentioned the fact that you have two super meters to keep track of. Like you have your your fury move, which is basically you know a, a devil may cry devil trigger, uh, or the um, what is it called in God of War? It's called like Wrath of the Gods or something. And yeah, I, I forget. <laughs> yeah, and then you also have your wrath attack, which is like this weapon specific super that you have that you know you can charge up and use and they're charged up by doing basically the same things by either attacking or taking damage and the the worst thing about it is so the wrath attack is left shoulder and right shoulder fury mode is or havoc mode i think it's called is left button right trigger so it's real easy to accidentally do one when you're trying to do the other one in the heat of battle like i really didn't like having two of those yeah, and also since you have to hit L1 to activate those, and L2 is targeting, you have to like D-lock, which kind of annoyed me. Yeah. I don't know yes. if that was a problem for you, but yeah. Yeah, it was. And there's just there's just a few too many things going on. I wish I don't think the wrath attacks were really necessary at all. Um mm. but yeah. Uh excuse me. You okay? Need a coffee? Uh no no I'm good it's actually do you, uh, do you need a do you need a dark cider <laughs> a, a, a caffeinated dark cider uh, ha, ha, ha. oh that's oh you slay me that was me uh, uh doing a little full circle there coming back to a joke that we were talking about earlier in the episode yeah I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna tell my wife that uh, you you turned her her joke into something something on the podcast she'll appreciate that. Yeah, yeah, little little running gag. Uh-huh. Um, so, uh, so, something else I know you I know you mentioned on the review was the fact that, um, and you know, I don't want to criticize the game too much for not taking enough from Souls because you know I <laughs> I don't I don't want people to think that I just live in this universe where I want everything to be Dark Souls all the time. But you, I know you mentioned the I, fact I, that I live in that universe. What are you talking about? Uh, yeah, it's true. I'm I'm I just I I just don't want people to think that about me, even though it's true. Oh, um, okay. You, you mentioned <laughs> you mentioned in your review that um, uh, visiting checkpoints doesn't restore your uh, like health. Yeah, wait, wait, was, wait, whatever. It has a weird name, but it's basically uh, this game's version of the Estus Flask. Yeah, it's and, the healing icor or whatever. Everything, everything in these games has a weird name. Like, yeah, a weird it, name that it doesn't make sense. It, it, it's always funny. Um, like, like uh, whenever you play a game that obviously channels from souls, you have to like. Um, you, you you basically need to spend a few minutes familiarizing yourself with like all the translations. Like, okay, what's this game's term for a bonfire? What's this game's term for souls? Uh, in this case, it's just souls. That's very convenient because the game was already doing that uh, before Dark Souls became yeah. a thing. But um, yeah, I, I forget what this game's version of Estus Flask is, but it only gets restored either when you die or sometimes enemies that you kill will drop uh, will drop green souls that restore one use of it. But I just thought that was funny that like there are cases in this game where 
you reach a new checkpoint and then you want to go into new battles, like sort of fresh with all your, you know, with all your health restoration. So you don't waste time on a bad run. Um, and like a super viable tactic is to just kill yourself. So you get that health back. Like that's just a really weird decision. Yeah. It's really strange that it doesn't just automatically refill those. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like that, like there's a, there's a very specific reason that mechanic was the way it was. And it's just one of those cases where like, you know, deviating from that a little bit, like I get wanting to be your own thing, but it just ugh, didn't work. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely a, def- definitely a weird thing. Uh, so are we done with Darksiders? Is that over? Uh, do you want to be? <laughs> I mean, I, I've, I've said my piece on it. I don't really have anything else to say about it. Yeah. I mean, in summary, it's like, um, I, I mean, I think th- there is, uh, some sort of cathartic feel to the combat. I mean, I like, I like the idea of swinging a whip around. Um, I don't know if you played the most recent, um, God of War game. You didn't play that, did you? No, I did not. I, okay, I've because- never been a huge fan of God of War. Um, I liked the the second game, like the second old game for the PS2, which was uh, probably like 2004, if I'm remembering correctly. I think it was 2005, something something around something, that. Whatever. It was during that time. I remember being in college when it came out, but I, I want to say- Wait a second. God of War 2, you mean? Yeah, God of War 2. Okay, because no, no, that was uh, like 2006 or something, because I know the original God of War came out in 2005. Okay. Yeah. Cause the original God of War, I played it and it felt, I remember it felt like kind of half a game. Like it felt very unfinished. Whereas the second game felt finished. Like it felt like a, a full experience that they wanted to deliver. And three was, I'm, I'm struggling to remember why, but I really disliked three hmm. and I cannot tell you in detail why that was, but I really, really didn't like it. That was the one where he just goes crazy and kills all the characters who he, who he didn't kill in the first two. Yeah, it's the one he kills where like he just murders all of Mount Olympus. Which I mean, granted, none of those are particularly good people, but his reasons for doing so are kind of suspect. Yeah, he's, he he sort of became a parody of himself. Okay, well, there's a there's a couple reasons I a couple responses I have to that. First of all, I do think you should give the new one a try because it is extremely different. Uh, in both tone and the way that the game plays. Um, I know I, I, I'm sort of famously, I wasn't crazy about it, but I do think it is a good game that people should play. To, you know, to, the, the, the fact that um, I gave it a 7.5 and uh, endured the wrath of PS4 fans everywhere. Uh, you know, d- don't, don't let that uh, talk you out of it. Like, I th- oh, I, that's I think right. It was, an, it was a console exclusive, wasn't it? Yeah, that's, that's, that's the thing. That's what'll do yeah. it. Yeah, and and, <laughs> and everybody was bringing up the fact that I loved uh, Breath of the Wild. Like, what does this game have to do with Breath of the Wild? It's just like one big exclusive versus a rival exclusive. Like, it's got nothing in common. Um, but anyway, the reason I'm bringing this up is because there was one really weird similarity that I noticed between that game and this one, which is that... Um, so one of the things that made... Uh, God of War's combat in the new one so different from the old games was that they adopted that sort of over-the-shoulder camera perspective. Uh Um, And the combat was much slower as a result. And something that I noticed was um, both games use this use um, little indicators around the main character to point out whenever they're about to be attacked from a direction that they can't see. 
because the camera is so close. Like in God of War, like again, because it was they had they had that over the shoulder uh, perspective. Uh, if there was a uh, an enemy off screen who was like reeling up to attack Kratos, there would be this little arrow that showed that that popped up, and I think like you know like it would it would turn red if they were if the attack was imminent or something like that. And this game does something really similar, but in this game because it still has a really fast paced like sort of old fashioned god of war style combat like i felt like there wasn't as much that i could do like you know because combat in god of war was was you know very slow paced and very heavy i felt like i had time to react but in this case like i kept thinking like i really wish the camera would just like sort of pull back and let me see everything wait are, uh, you, are you still talking about dark siders 3 yeah i I never noticed that that an indicator. You never noticed that. The other, no, the other I words, never. I play. No, I played the entire game, and I never noticed an indicator like that. Yeah, there are these little uh, these little arrows that just show up around uh, Fury's body that that point to characters like behind her to the sides that you can't see. Yeah. Wow. I never. What's, I wonder if I turned it off. I don't or know. Or, or maybe maybe it's something that they patched in due to. Uh, you know, people saying like, "Oh, the camera in this game is kind of." I did. Yeah, I did so I did play and complete this game before the first patch came out. So that's that's possible. Okay. Yeah, I played it. I played it uh, just this month, January. Like, okay. so about a, about a month or at least a month after it came out. I forget. Exactly okay. When it so came you out, so you got the patch and I didn't. Yeah, and well, that would actually like I don't I don't know for certain that that was um, something that they added in the patch or if that's just something that you didn't notice. Um, but it did feel to me like something. It, it it felt like it was sort of a compensation for the way this game's camera worked, which was that it it was kind of too close to the character and too low to the ground. Like I I just I I kept wishing the the you know for the for the fact that it it is that sort of old fashioned God of War, you know just sling a whip through groups of enemies like the fact that it kind of had that sort of dark souls perspective where you just focus on one at a time i don't know it 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 made me feel uncomfortable in situations where you weren't just fighting one character at a time it was it was very awkward and that that mechanic uh with the the arrows coming up over fury uh really just felt like a way of sort of trying to compensate for that but it didn't really work because combat just kind of unfolds at such a fast pace in this game. And you don't really have any defense other than to just dodge everywhere. So I would just like a lot of times if I knew I was surrounded, I would just sort of like dodge frantically and hope it worked. You know, I hope I would trigger one of those little slow motion breath of the wild style uh, counterattacks. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a very unforgiving dodge too. like, you do not have a lot of iframes on that, on that flip of hers. No, and and something else I noticed was that um, this is kind of a weird issue with the game, but it seems like some of the enemies were trying, like, like, like the way the enemy animations worked, the attack animations, it seemed like they were trying to warn you as to when the, the attacks were going to happen, but because of that, it actually made it harder. So what I mean is, like... A lot of times when an enemy reels back for an attack, they'll kind of slow down for a second. Um, like, like it's not, it's not slow motion, but it kind of looks like that where they'll, they'll sort of like give you a second to react. But because of that, it almost made the, the animations like sort of less organic and less predictable. And it just kind of threw my timing off. And I thought it made the game harder. I don't know if you had that experience. Uh, so I did notice that, but that's, um, 
so that the slow motion thing is pretty common in souls proper um specifically i'm specifically i'm thinking of fume knight where you know his first phase is he has his two swords and he has really fast attacks and then he has his, his slow big sword whereas second phase um he can either go really fast or he can you know take a big wind up and just swing at you really 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 slow with that big sweep that goes across the whole room mm-hmm. so so it is a timing thing and um you know in souls it was intentional here i mean i I mean, I thought it was intentional. Like, I thought it was part of their their emulation of souls that they did that. But um, I don't know. Maybe I was wrong, and they were just you know doing it to be confusing on intent uh, to be confusing intentionally. I don't know because it, it kind of went with. Um, uh, I mean, one of the reasons I bring up the character designs, it's not just because I think they look terrible, but I actually think that they like kind of make the game worse in a sense because they make enemies harder to read. And so it kind of, it kind of like, I, I just, I guess I never felt really comfortable with the combat in this game, even after I spent like something like 15 hours and I, I obviously, you know, fought the same enemies over and over again. There, there was never really, it, it felt really rare for me to hit a moment in this game when I, I, I felt like I had mastered uh, an enemy's moveset. Like even See, the bo- like, like, like even the bosses kind of just like I felt like I was sort of barely scraping by and you know ugh, yeah and so that's it, what the move set did click for me eventually especially after you get the spear because you've got the uh, you know the spear gives you the stinger attack which I think is what really makes everything gel because you can stinger in uh, you know do a few whip attacks and then jump out using her like you know backwards flip whip attack before the enemy can even take a swing at you and that was the like that was the bread and butter combo that really made the game uh, it kind of made the combat system sing for me is stinger in stinger in whip a few times and then backflip out and do a few more hits Mm. yeah so uh so anyway i like i said i'm i've got about i've said about everything i have to say about darksiders 3 is there anything else you want to complain about no no, i I mean and this is the thing okay i i don't i'm not trying to be overly negative here but like i really i i don't think like there's there's really nothing about this game that that stood out for me as a reason that it exists as harsh as that sounds. Like I, I, I nothing, nothing felt like a, a, a justification for this game's, you, you know, for whatever risks they took, uh, you know, following up this, like forming a new studio and, uh, you know, putting this all together. Like it's, it's just, it just feels like a lot of components from other games, that are just um, less comfortable to use and worse to look at. And, um, you know, it's, it's not, it's far from the worst thing I played last year, but yeah, it's, it's, um, it just didn't see the appeal of it, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this one, it didn't overstay its welcome. Um, Whereas one into, like I said, just made you spend so much time doing busy work that it just eventually wore on me whereas this one i think was just the right amount of length like in 15 hours is the correct amount of time to be spending in this in this world per installment yeah it didn't it didn't feel overall like it it, it felt fine in that respect and i i didn't finish or even play much of the first two darksiders games so i can't uh testify to how much better that is but yeah uh they're not and you aren't 
So <clears throat> that okay. means you aren't missing anything. I, I have them in my Steam library, so I could go play them anytime I want to, and I just haven't because I can't be bothered. Uh, there are there are better things for you to do with your time, and one of those things that you mm. can do see see how yeah. I how I did a, see how I did a segue there. Yeah. Dark ciders, dark dark ciders, the drink. Yes, yes, we should all just we should just go get a dark cider right now. I'm sure that actually exists. Well, I'm sure there exist. is a cider that is dark. Yeah, but I, I want to say that there is. A, a drink of some sort that is a dark cider, like a dark cider with a C. I'm Googling it right now. I know there's a hard cider. C squared ciders. Yeah. Okay. So a company called C squared ciders has released a seasonal dark cider. So there you go. Well, there you go. Hmm. There we go. If you want a dark cider, uh, you should hit up C squared ciders. I hope you enjoyed that free advertisement, C Squared Ciders. Mm. I'm gonna be rolling in the cash. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so what I was segueing into before I interrupted myself was uh, Vampire. Vampire is a game that uh, Dan Weisenberger and I did a podcast about a few months ago. I was very, very turned off on it. I agreed to give it another chance, and I did give it another chance. I actually rolled credits on it a few days ago. Uh, Mike, did you play this game at all? I played like something like six or seven hours of it, and I had I didn't dislike it, but I had mixed feelings on it, and I always meant to go back to it, but uh, yeah. Here, here, here's your yeah. chance to convince me to go back to it. Uh, if you if you weren't oversold on those first six or seven hours, I probably won't. Um, I will. It's a very fascinating but deeply flawed game. Like this is uh, first off, it's another game that tries to emulate Soulsborne combat, and this is a game that really does not get it right, in my opinion. Uh, first off, Jonathan Reed, uh, the, your main the the, the protagonist that you're playing is not fun to play. Like he is just, uh, his movements are not fun to use. He is just not, he doesn't look cool really. I mean, some people think he looks cool. I think he looks kind of boring, but um, if you're trying to emulate Soulsborne combat, you almost have to make it the sole focus of your game because the detail and precision required to make it work have to be, they have to be right or else it's just going to feel messy. And this game feels just really, really messy, specifically with bosses. Um, so this game does bosses uh, at a high level like a Souls game. You walk into an area, a health bar appears, and boom, you're in a boss fight. Um, <clears throat> the problem with Vampire is like, like half the bosses are just normal enemies with more health, uh, which is the absolute worst way to do bosses it's like the chalice dungeons in bloodborne either make them unique or don't have them at all uh and of those some of the ones that are unique uh two or three of them rely on endlessly respawning normal enemies (sighs) which most of the time is a horrible idea there are certain circumstances which add bosses can work but there are very very few and far between there's like a bunch of them in here where you're just fighting like you know, a normal a normal enemy that summons other normal enemies to fight with it. That, yeah, that's. So, I, I can't think of a single example where that's ever been a good thing. 
Uh, there's there's a few, but they have to be designed specifically around being an ad boss mm-hmm. and not just, um, I am a boss, by the way, here are some minions. Um, but a lot of times it just comes across as like a way to um, kind of inflate the difficulty. Like you have a perfectly fine normal boss and then just here's another thing, you know. It, it, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's really, it's really uh, akin, I think, to just like – making a boss more difficult by just making its health bar longer. Like it's just, just adding stuff as opposed to organically uh, increasing the challenge. Right. And that's not something that they, they really took the time to do to in this game to do. Um, And really, I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on in this game. I will say that uh, the conversation system and the way you interact with citizens and the uh, dynamic between, you know, should I, should I, you know, drink from them, should I not drink from them is very, very interesting because the game the game does encourage you to get to know people and help people in order to make them stronger so you get more experience points from eating them. Um so that's how that's the main way that you get stronger in this game. So basically the more people you kill, the more people you murder, the stronger you will be. And if you choose not to murder anyone, the game is very, 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 very hard. Um <clears throat> There are a few people that deserve it that like you'll run into a few people that are like, I'm a serial killer or I just like setting homeless people on fire for the fun of it or or something like that. But there aren't many of those. Most people are just like, yeah, I'm just here. The Spanish flu epidemic sucks, but whatever. And you can just kill them if you want to. Um, So it's it's an interesting game. Um, This game and Darksiders are sort of those B-tier games that we don't really get a ton of anymore. So um, I encourage these things to exist because in vampire in Vampire's case, it's very, very experimental. So it's they do some some things that are that are pretty interesting that a lot of other games don't do, but it's ultimately not a it's not a knockout. Like it's not something I would recommend without without question. Yeah, the, the big issue I had with it, weirdly enough, like I like obviously the combat isn't as uh smooth as like Bloodborne, which is w- what it feels most closely like. Um, right. The issue that I actually had with that game was the writing, believe it or not. Um, and I, I know like I'm not the first person to point this out, but um, the time that I spent with that game, um, the six or seven hours I was on it, like once I was done with that, I a phrase that I never want to hear in another video game again is tell me more about yeah, like, like if you're gonna if you're gonna do branching conversations and like you know interactive cutscenes that sort of thing, you got to come up with a more interactive way <laughs> to, to 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 get people from one topic uh, to another than uh, tell me more about or explain to me this. Like, just nobody talks like that. Yeah, the English dialogue in this game is at times kind of nonsensical. Um, so this is made by Don't Nod Studios, which is a French developer. They also made uh, they made Remember Me, and then they also make the Life is Strange game. So they're actually known for um, a lot of branching conversation trees. So it's kind of weird that uh, the the writing in this is so weird and awkward. Yeah, I don't and know if it's, it's I don't it, know if it's the same people, but um, yeah, I was expecting something better because I I like Life is Strange. Uh, like I was mm-hmm. I was. I was into that series, so I, I yeah. Life is Strange is good. Yeah, yeah. I expected um, this to be kind of, I guess, on a similar level. But yeah, that, that yeah. I mean, I mean, especially because like Life is Strange, it's one of those narrative adventure games that does branching dialogue 
quite well and different choices on everything. Um, so for just, you know, I, it, there's a lot that I like about this game on a conceptual level, but I, yeah, I, I just, I never felt, uh, I guess I never felt connected to it. Yeah. The, 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 the main character is just, uh, not very well written in that regard, I think. Yeah. And it becomes, uh, later on in the game, it becomes a kind of a sit, well, I mean, not a serious problem, but a kind of hilarious problem because, because of the way the game is written, the the super good ending that you get for not killing a single person, the, for not killing a uh, single named citizen the entire game is kind of nonsense because of the way Jonathan's dialogue is written. Okay. I, I, yeah. I guess you can't go into more detail than that. Uh, not without spoiling anything. I mean, it's not, it's <sighs> the weird thing about it is like, there's not really a ton to spoil at the ending. Like the ending is just, there's, I mean, I can't say anymore without spoiling it, but the ending was just sort of, just sort of things like, work out or they don't. It's it's very well, no, things do not work out, but I mean, it's also very anticlimactic in a way. Okay. Yeah. In a in a like we're trying to do a sequel sense or what? No, it's it's in. It almost feels like there was a second portion of the game that wound up getting cut up because oh, the okay. ending, we, we ran out of resources since. Yeah. Okay. So the ending of the game takes place in a complete. So you leave the city, like you are not in London anymore. It doesn't really uh, say where you are, but you go to a completely different area, and it feels a little bit like they wanted to make this more expansive and more detailed. But it winds up being you just walk through this relatively small area, um, and then you reach a basement, and then the ending happens, and then the game's over. Yeah. And that's it. Hmm. And it's the the ending is actually there's only one thing that changes in the ending depending on your choices in the game. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's another thing I was kind of wondering was um, is that like because I, I I want the ability to eat whichever people I want without totally stressing out about like oh am I going to get like the crappy unsatisfying ending or the good one I, you know like. I, I, I don't like it when games come down to that, where they they you know they they come up with this really cool gameplay mechanic where you because like I, I ate a couple people in that game or drank their blood or whatever you do, and they make you feel bad about it. Like you get you get stronger, but like they 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 sell that you're doing a bad thing, and I feel like that's enough. I feel like they they don't have to like section off different different conclusions to the story uh, based on right which decisions you make in that regard. So, so it's not, it's not based on a specific person that you, that you embrace, but it's the number of people specific, specifically the community pillars. Like if you kill, I think two of them and I think one or two normal citizens, you will get, so there's four different endings. Two of them are quote unquote good. And two of them are quote unquote bad. Um, I killed, two of the well i caused the death of one of the pillars i allowed one of the other ones to die and then i killed one of them outright and i left the fourth one alive and then that plus me killing i want to say four citizens out of like 25 or 26 or however many of them there are that got me one of the bad endings Mm. Yeah, so it's you have to be really, really careful about how many people you kill if you want to get one of the good endings. But the thing about the 
the bad ending versus the good endings, it's just one thing that is different. It's whether or not uh, it's because Jonathan more or less, I mean, except for the super good ending, Jonathan winds up more or less in the same situation in every ending. It's just a matter of who he is with. Okay. Yeah. So it's, I don't know. I mean, like I said, it's an interesting game. I'm glad I went back to it. Um, I'm glad I finished it. Um, Dan, I guess you technically won the bet because I am glad I am glad that I finished it, but yeah, I can't wholeheartedly recommend it. Yeah. We'll see if I go back to it, uh, especially now that we're, you know, we're through the end of the year rush and now it's kind of this big gaping hole where you have resident evil two and kingdom hearts and nothing else. Oh, so, uh, Kingdom Hearts. Anthem. Did I ever talk- we, get, we get Anthem, Richard. Aren't you excited for Anthem? Uh, I'm sorry if you are actually excited for Anthem. Remind me what Anthem is. It's the, it's the thing that Bioware is doing that's like um, Destiny, basically, but like a couple years too late. Oh, shit. That's right. I totally for- that's I good, forgot. That's coming out that next e- month. I forgot that existed. Yeah. I Jesus Christ. Uh, well, I see why you thought you forgot it existed because it's uh, it's a Destiny clone that's coming out after people have already stopped playing Destiny. So, uh, that's made by yeah, Bioware. That just, makes, that just makes me sad for Mass Effect mm. and Dragon Age by extension. Well, there is a new Dragon Age coming out, but. Who knows if it's going to be any good after the after the absolute shit show we got with Andromeda? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I'm done. Right. Um, are you done? Do you want me to be done? I mean, we can be. I don't have. Is there anything else you wanted to talk about, Mike Susky? Uh, there's actually one game I did want to talk about. Believe it or not, it's a game. Uh, it's it's the first game I played. It's the first 2019 release that I played. Uh, it's called uh-huh. Vain. Have you heard of this? V- it's called, can you say that? V-A-N-E, Vane. No, I've not heard of it. Okay, well, I, I reviewed it for the site a couple days ago, and it was one of those cases where I, I played it before release, and it is super artsy and ambiguous, and my first takeaway was, I don't like this, but m- maybe there's something I'm missing, and I just don't know yet because there's no public information about this game. Uh, you, you, you ever been in a situation like that where you're like... Maybe this is maybe this is just a bunch of bullshit, but maybe there there is like a secret ending or some subtext that I'm missing that could sort of re-engineer my opinion on this game. And maybe if I read more about it, maybe that might come to light. Does that, does that have you ever had that? Uh, I'm sorry, I had myself on mute. Um, yeah, I guess. Um. I'm looking at the top of your review right now, and I love that your high-low WTF is what? I'm confused, and all of it. All of it. In, uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that, yeah, that was – so um, I, I wanted to do a little – just kind of a little postscript on that. Uh, first of all, um, Vane is by a small team that um, a couple of a couple of people on that team uh, actually worked on some of Fumito Ueda's games. So that's that's the oh, guy who did Eco okay. um, and Shadow of the Colossus and mm-hmm. The Last Guardian. Um, and it's it's really 
similar at a glance to those games where it is, it has a very lonely atmosphere. Um, it is, a, it is about a small child in a big, uh, scary, mostly ruined world that is extremely mysterious. Um, and the big difference I think between this game and the team eco games is that, so there was always this level of kind of mystery and wonder to those games. Like, like there's, there's a lot about this world that you don't know. And it's, it's, you know, really big and mysterious. And there's just a lot that you have to sort of fill in the blanks on. Um, but all three of those games, I think are driven by really extremely human stories. And the, the thing about this game is that the mystery is really the only trick up its sleeve. Like it's just this uh, really bizarre experience where, I could describe to you everything that happens in that game, but I couldn't tell you why I can't tell you who the main character is. I can't tell you what he's trying to accomplish. I can't tell you what the other characters are or what these, what, what, what functionality any of these, any of these machines or buildings have. It's just, it's just a really surreal experience that feels surreal for its own sake. Um, and like I said, when I, when I reviewed it, um, I, I knew for a fact that I didn't like it because it's this really short game that kind of jumps from one strange mechanic to another without really developing it and without a clear understanding of what the story is about. Um, I just I found no reason to be engaged in it. Um, and now that the game is out, I've gone back and uh, actually gotten the Platinum Trophy, which didn't take too long. It's just a matter of there is a second ending that you can get and there are a couple like extra little, not really cutscenes, but just sort of um, little events that you can trigger. And I can confirm now that um, there really isn't anything more to the game than what I thought there was. Um, the game in a very general sense is about this boy who can transform form into a bird uh, and back. And you can, you can explore areas freely with the bird. And then as the boy, you like can interact with objects. You can push open doors, push blocks, that sort of thing. Um, and weirdly enough, the game sort of drops that whole idea. Like about, I would say about halfway through the game, you don't have any reason to transform into the bird again. And it becomes entirely about uh, this boy and his interaction with other boys who are in similar positions. And there's this gold material that has this weird transformative property that might also be, might have something to do with time travel. I don't know, because you, you start off in this like really, a vast desert with nothing in it. And then you see like a a version of the world where things are back together, but they're kind of on the brink of ruin. And it's, Oh, it's such, it's, it's. So it's, it sounds kind of almost like owl boy in a sense in that way. Well, sort of, except there's no dialogue whatsoever in the entire game. Um, there's, there's no exposition in any way. Like our boy had a ton of dialogue and, um, in this game, like there's, there's really nothing to give you an indication as to what's going on. And it, it, it also, it gets, it gets weirder in ways that I don't really know if I should describe because I think it might be a spoiler to say, but at the same time, if I described what happens, you'd just be like, huh? Cause it's, it, it doesn't make a ton of sense. Anyway, um, it's a game that makes for very good trailers. Like if you watch the trailer, you would think, okay, that's kind of cool, but it's just all these really sort of um, half formed ideas. Like it feels like it, at one point it was supposed to be an open world game because you start off in this 
big, vast, expansive deserts that you can fly around in and it stretches for miles in every direction, but there's nothing to do in it other than this one puzzle where you go around collecting things and then you just move on to the next level and that's the last you see of it. And so just, just, just weird. It's a short game that has like these weirdly, weirdly ambitious ideas and, and big areas that it doesn't do much with. Um, and so, uh, you know, at the end of the day, having seen everything and having seen the alternate ending, uh, can't say I recommend it, uh, despite it looking very cool in, uh, trailers and obviously looking i mean it looks very much like a team ego game it's made by some of the same people but i would say uh, avoid the temptation there and that's all i have to say that's all i've played um so far this year other than you know catching up on uh, a few other releases from last year i've got uh spider-man open and on top of my ps4 not in my ps4 mm. uh but on it i haven't put it in yet um, okay, but you're getting there. You, you've 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 taken another step since the last time, since the last update we get on this. That's true. So I was so when I said I was gonna, <clears throat> when I said I was gonna possibly play Spider-Man right after the podcast, um, I decided to just go ahead and finish Vampire instead, and that took about twenty-ish hours to finish up everything that was left. So now that's done. Um, I can, you know, now go try to play Spider-Man and catch up on that. You should. It's kick-ass. I'm, I'll take your word for it. Well, well, uh, you can take my word for it now, and then you can play it yourself and not take my word for it, because you'll know that I, what I said is true. That's, that. yeah, that is, that is most likely what is going to happen. Uh, so, that's our show. Um, thanks for listening. We've got a website, GameCritics.com. Um, come there, read our stuff interact with our people. Mike, is there anything you'd like to plug? Uh, no. Okay. Thanks. Thanks for listening and have a pleasant evening.